Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Good morning, everyone. This month we've been doing a mental health checkup and the Bible discusses a lot of issues regarding mental health. And recently, I have experienced my own challenge with mental health that the Bible does talk strongly about. A couple of months ago, I was approached by another church, a larger church, um, about a position that they had available. And as the discussion went on, it became apparent to me that God didn't want me to leave Amherst yet. And so I was okay with that decision. And I felt really good about saying, no, I'm staying here. Thank you very much for the offer. But then something very strange happened. I went from this place of being incredibly happy because, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be recognized, right? And to have someone say, I see what you're doing and you're doing a good job with that. So I went from there to crashing in a matter of two days. And it was the deepest, darkest pit that I have been in for a long time. And as I started unpacking it with my husband, Dwayne, I realized that there was something that was incredibly wrong and it needed to get fixed. And so I sought out a Christian counselor and as we started to sift through what had happened and other things in my life, I came to realize that I had a really twisted view of what my value was and where it came from. When we meet someone for the first time, we exchange names and then we quite frequently ask, what do you do? And then we respond with, well, I'm a health professional or a stay-at-home mom and dad, which to me is a huge deal, Um, a teacher, or I am a mechanic, construction worker, whatever it is that, that we do for work. Why is that? Why is it as humans that we're so caught up with the thought of what we do? I think it's because we've, we've done this unhealthy thing of connecting what we do with our value. They have become so intertwined and enmeshed that that's the first thing that we ask. Today we're going to take a look at a passage in the book of Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 3. That's the first book in the New Testament. Um, if you're using if you're using your, your paper Bible, <laughs> if you're using uh, your phone or your tablet, Uh, You can look that up and we're going to read that whole chapter together. It's 17 verses. Follow along with me. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet of Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. 
people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think. You can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his fresh threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So we start out this chapter with a very unusual character, don't we? We have this man wearing camel's hair and a leather belt yelling in the desert. And he's yelling, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Now that word repent in the Greek means to change one's mind, to make a determined decision. And you know, I don't want us to rush past what John's wearing. And I know that sounds odd, but follow me here. We see in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, a man wearing the same kind of clothing. His name was Elijah. He was a prophet of God. So when we look at John and he's wearing the same kind of clothing, it's telling us this wasn't just some weird guy in the desert with with a neat saying that people thought, oh, this is a cool idea, I better come do it. No, it was God's message. God was saying to his people, I want you to come back and be my people again. So people came and they listened and they confessed their sins and they were baptized. They were baptized to show that they had made that determined decision to turn their heart to God. But there were a group of people who came and they really didn't listen. They heard John's message, but as the Jews chosen people, they thought they were safe. They thought that because God had chosen them many, many years ago, that they were okay. But something had happened. You see, in verse 8 here, John says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, they had gotten it backwards. 
they had taken God's commands and they had made up all these extra rules and regulations and they became very good at keeping them all. In fact, it almost became like a competition to see who could keep them the best and keep all of them perfectly. And John calls him out and he says, uh-uh, you're doing stuff, but it has nothing to do with your heart and where you are with God. And they don't like it. It hurts. And they dismiss it. And then in verse 13, Jesus comes to be baptized. Now, Jesus is God. We know that, right? And he's perfect. So he doesn't have anything to confess. So why is it that he's getting baptized? He was getting baptized because he was showing those people and he was showing us that he was making a determined decision to obey God the Father and to have a close connection with him. In verse 17, it tells us who Jesus is. It says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Yes, Jesus was God, but he was also Mary and Joseph's son. He was also a brother. He was also a carpenter. But what is it that God says when he is baptized? He says, this is my son whom I love. His identity and his value. We're tied together. And it didn't come from anything that he had done. He hadn't started his ministry yet. This was the launch of his ministry. And God says, I love him. Because he is intimately connected with me. Mm. And you know what? That that love, that, that love that, that God expressed to Jesus that day in Matthew is found in another book of the Bible. And it's directed at those who have, who have come to Jesus and repented and are now his followers. And we see this in Colossians. So turn with me if you would like to, Colossians chapter 3, if not if you don't want to, that's okay. I'm going to read. It's just one verse here that we're going to go to. So Paul is talking to um, believers, Christ followers, Christians, in Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey. And this is what he says to them in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You get that? There it is again. As God's chosen, Hmm. holy. How are we holy? This is why I know for certain that Paul isn't just talking about everybody. Paul is talking about those who have come to Jesus and said, I've messed up. Because the only way that we get to be holy 
is by Jesus taking away our sin. That's why he died and he rose again. And then Paul continues. Let's keep reading here. And he says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul doesn't say in this verse, Okay, I want you to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient, and then God's going to love you as his children. That's not what he says. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You have made that determined decision to come. <laughs> You're his. He loves you. And because of that, and because of the change he's made in you, then do these things. I want you to hear this clearly. Paul is sharing something very important here. Whose you are is what makes you valuable. Whose you are is what makes you value, valuable. Not what you do. What you do happens because of who you are. I want you to hear me clearly. He's not saying don't do good things. We are supposed to. But what is the source of doing those good things? If we're doing those things just to get people to like us, <laughs> if we're doing those things just to look better than someone else, it's empty and it's hollow. You are valuable because you are God's and loved, not because of what you do. So we have to do two things, folks. First, we have to establish our identity. Are you his? That's the first thing that you need to be asking. Do I want to be his dearly loved? And if that's the case, then you need to come to him and you say, I've messed up and I keep messing up. That's what sin is, in a nutshell. And I need you to come because you, and take it from me. And he, Jesus can do that because he died and rose again. And so you have to believe that that's what he did. And he did that for you to re, get rid of all of that sin. And then you'll be a new person. Or maybe you've gotten a little off track, or maybe you've gotten a lot off track. <laughs> maybe you have stopped talking with him. Maybe you have stopped reading his word. Maybe you have stopped hanging out with other Christians. It's time to make a determined decision to change that and come back to God. Then we have to live it out. Once we have our identity established, we have to live it out, folks. And living it out means that we have to take that, that relationship and we have to put that first. That relationship with God has to become first in our lives. It has to be. And I know that's hard. I get distracted. But we have to put him first. We have to take time 
to talk with him. That's what praying is. We have to bring him the good, bad, the ugly. Has our talking with him just become kind of like talking to a neighbor instead of our best friend? We have to get back to talking with him. We have to get back to reading his word. That's how he changes us. That's how we learn what it is to be this new person that he is now giving us the strength to be. We also need to listen, which is part of prayer. We need to take time to listen to what it is that he's saying to us. And we need to take time to meditate, to think about him, to think about what he says in his word. So once we've done that, we put the relationship first, then we have to start asking a question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because of who I am as God's person? Or am I doing this to make myself feel better? Am I doing this to make myself look better? Am I doing this to make someone like me? We have to question why we're doing things. Then we've got to make a choice. If we are doing things to please someone else or to make ourselves look better, we have to stop. We have to stop. We have to choose to obey God. If we're doing it because it's something that God has told us to do, then yeah, full steam ahead. So we have to, just to wrap up and remind ourselves again here, it's two things. We have to establish our identity, our identity in Christ, and then we have to live it out. We have to put the relationship first. We have to ask why we're doing things. And then we have to choose to obey God. You see, our worth is not tied up in what we do. When we separate what we do from who we are, we're going to be freer. We're going to be satisfied. We're going to be whole people. Satisfaction doesn't come from anywhere else. So this week, on your window, on your mirror, on the background of your device, I want you to put one word, loved, because that's your value. That's your worth. And as we close today, I want to pray over us because <laughs> I need to understand it, his love deeper too. And that's what Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19 is about. And so I want to pray these verses over us today that we would know the depth of his love for us. If you have a relationship with God and you just need to get it back on track, do that today. Make that determined decision. And if you haven't, don't wait. 
don't pause for anything today. Please ask the questions you need to ask. Or if you're ready, just come to him. Just come to him. And let someone know of the decision that you've made. Let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, today for all of us, I pray that we would grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep your love is for us. That we would know this love that goes beyond all understanding. That we would all know our true value. That our true value is because we are yours and that we are dearly loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Thank you.